Well, good morning, everybody. If you want to find your seats and grab a handout before you sit down, it's a good idea. Handouts on the back table back there. If you didn't get one, maybe uh, if somebody could pass a few around. There are some helpful scriptures on there and and things that you'll want to take note of. All right. Why don't we begin uh, with a word of prayer? God, our Father, um, we are a fearful people, and we look forward to what you will say to us this morning from your word. Thank you for the comfort that it gives us every day. May you be honored and glorified in this class. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, does anybody remember kind of what we talked about last week? (laughs) Good one. Well, you were paying attention. Josh, do you remember anything from last week? That's right. You that was very sharp. He's sharp. Anybody else have anything that that kind of struck you or or jumped out at you? Anything helpful or um, informative for you? Anybody read any of the passages that I kind of gave you at the end of the thing last week? A few of them, maybe. Um, did you find them helpful or? Uh, useful for you? I hope you did. (laughs) Well, today I have probably um, more information than we're going to be able to get through. I'm I'm hopeful, but if we don't make it, we'll just continue next week. Um, There's just a lot packed into this lesson, and it's kind of best to get it all in one thing if we can do it. But um, So as we ended last week, we talked about... um, what God says to us about not being afraid. Anybody remember um, what God's most frequent command is in the Bible? Fear not. Do not be afraid. Yeah. Do not be anxious. Over 300 uh, times God tells us to not be afraid. R.C. Sproul had a message on renewing your mind. Uh, it was talking about anxiety, and he, and he noted Jesus tells his disciples, do not fear, so often that it sounds more like a greeting than an admonition. And that's really a a good point. We we often have to hear it multiple times for it to sink in. And so we get the sense that God is is, uh, alert to our fears. Um, Mark uh, 6, verse 50 says, for they all saw him and were terrified. This is after he calmed the storm. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And we find those times when God speaks to us um, during our times of fear, and and we know we don't have to be afraid. When we tell someone, don't be afraid or don't worry, we often say it kind of casually. And our intention is to help, but we're seldom able to do more than offer advice. And I don't want this study to give the impression that um, we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and and uh, be done with fear. That's kind of not the point. Um, we don't have the power to do that on our own. 
Um, when God tells us to not be afraid, he has the power to take care of us in any situation we find ourselves in. He is not so busy with the big stuff that uh, he won't listen and deal with the details of our struggles. Incidentally, I, I, this morning I listened to uh, Renewing Your Mind, and uh, he was talking about um, faith, and it's, it's a good one to listen to. I won't elaborate on that, but it really kind of dovetails into this, and, and what we pray about and, and how we believe that God's going to answer our prayer is very important. So I encourage you to listen to that one today sometime. <clears throat> God knows us and has compassion on us, and his compassion is not based on priority or need. Um, we still have a hard time believing him because we have seen that those who worship God are not spared the hardships of life. Let that sink in a little bit. Believers are not spared hardships. Um, <clears throat> these hardships are meant to be beneficial, uh, but it's difficult to remember that. Um, fear is an impatient emotion. When something's wrong, when something worries us or we're fearful, we want to experience we want to experience relief from that immediately. We don't want to have to wait for it. And so <clears throat> one way of, of con- combating fear is to slow down. Uh, Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. How have some of you been able to combat fear in your life? What are some things that you've done that help you combat fear? Good stuff. Yeah. So many good examples there. Yeah. Excellent. Anybody else? Anything you've done that has helped you combat fear? Incidentally, <clears throat> um, Pastor Brett's sermon, I, I thought maybe he'd read my notes this morning. <laughs> um, it's, it's going to follow right. It's actually a reiteration of what I'm talking about here. And uh, he's going to go into that a little bit, explaining how we've got to rehearse the story about what God's done, you know, for the ch- children of Israel, for his people, and for us every day. And, and we're going to talk more about that, too. Um, it's important, too, to recognize your example and your example both come from God's word. That's where we can go. We always know we can go there. And uh, there's something that we're going to find that will be helpful. <clears throat> They're amazing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Hmm. Just this morning, 
this uh, old love of God, how strong and how true. Yeah. I printed it off so Laurel could read it. And the second verse goes like this. Oh, heavenly love, how precious and still in days of weariness and ill, in nights of pain and helplessness, to heal, to comfort, and to bless. Yeah. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Really, really good stuff. And um, so- songs do have that, that effect on us, too. They put things into words that we may not think of, and, and so it's, it's really good. Um, sometimes, too, uh, when we realize that peace and rest can be found, uh, when we slow down, we realize peace and rest can only be found in someone, not in something. If our sense of well-being is at risk, we want someone who loves and affirms. But we realize that um, people are unreliable, and since um, they are human like us, fear opts out for independence and self-control and self-protection again. And we realize we're back where we started. Last week we talked about that idea of control, and now we just, you know, it doesn't do us any good to try to do that. Trusting ourselves and seeing how small we are, uh, incapable of dealing with the danger we face. The greatest possibility for rest and comfort lies in the knowledge, <clears throat> excuse me, of the true God. And it helps to remember God's uh, self-given names, to reflect on those names. Uh, some of my favorite psalms are very helpful here. Psalm 91 provides many names for God that depict his power and greatness as well as his sovereignty. I've put that, I think, on the handout for you to read so that you could, you could kind of catch some of those names, but they're just amazing. And when we absorb that and understand the greatness of our God, it really does help to to uh, knock back that fear that we face. When God says, do not be afraid, it says something lovely about God. He wants his people to know peace. This isn't a, really, a worldly ruler making a command. God gives this command because he knows the concerns of, his, of those in his kingdom and commands things that are in their best interests. God's word says this in Luke twelve thirty two. Jesus said, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Now, earthly fathers you know, do anything within the bounds of wisdom and love for their children. As sinful fathers, we realize that uh, there are limits to what we can do and what we can give. If there's anything good in fathering, it is because we mirror something of our good God. Uh, Think about the the parable of the prodigal son. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to paraphrase a little bit here. Um, uh, Even though the younger son dishonored his father, and brought, some, brought shame on his name. The father ran to meet him when he was far off. Uh, running brought shame to important people in that era. So for someone of, of this father's uh, importance, it just wasn't done. It was for the servants to run. That the father was delighted to run uh, was something that, which carried public shame to meet him, hugged him and kissed him. Then he clothed him and fed him at a feast to honor his return. Um, It's a helpful story for us. We can understand our father better in it. Our father is the king. And he has been delighted to give you the kingdom. You have the kingdom. He comes close to us. He knows our needs. And we can take comfort in this. His sovereignty rules over his kingdom. 
We take comfort in his power. He is both loving and strong. And he comes to us. My mic is popping here. I'm wondering if that could go down a little bit. Um, He's both loving and strong. And he comes to us. He does not wait for us to come to him. That's very significant because when we're in our darkest hours, sometimes we're groping around for where to go. And we just need to remember that God is there with us. He is He is there to take care of our needs. There is nothing that is outside his kingdom, nothing outside his sovereign control. Um, as you absorb that, what implications does that have on your worries and your anxieties and your fears? Although, what she said is that it makes them kind of silly, but really, in a sense, they're still there. We, we can't deny that they're there. And I think it helps to know that God knows those worries as well. So is it wrong to be sinful or to worry or be afraid? It kind of depends. We've established that we have fear. Uh, in lesson one, and we know that from that discussion that we have reasons for fear, and there are lots of things we can fear, lots of things that bring really big worries into our lives, <clears throat> cause us to lack sleep, and and uh, just you know lots of things. Psalm fifty six three says, "When I am afraid, I will trust in you." Um, notice, he says, "I will trust in you." It's an action. It's not, "I hope I trust in you." <laughs> Or, I'm going to try to trust in you. It's, it's an action that says, I will. I'm going to make this step forward and do that. I'm going to trust. Uh, it's a good lesson for us in the difficulties of life um, to remember that a conscious action like that, first of all, it gives us something to do. But it also, um, God is listening and he's going to act as we bring our fears and worries to him. Scripture is crammed with stories about God's faithfulness, and this is where Brett is going to kind of fill in some of the things I'm going to talk about in his sermon. The stories are meant to be retold. Um, They remind us that our God is faithful to provide in our most difficult situations. Some stories in the Bible are so important that they are meant to be retold at every opportunity. One such story is when God brought his people out of the land of Egypt. Before the Israelites were brought to the promised land, God land, God led them into the wilderness, which is one of those things where, again, you say, oh, wait a minute, you're going to deliver them, but you're taking them into the wilderness. That's not a very safe place to go. Why would, why would God do that? And we are often finding ourselves in a wilderness where we're roaming around trying to figure out, why, why did God put me here? Well, there's a, there's a reason for it, and... Um, God wants to speak to his people. He wants them to see his his power and his might and his awesome uh, character. Um, He wants to show them how he loves them and cares for them. It seems like a funny way to show it, right? So what is Israel's response? Let's actually go to Exodus 16, and we're going to look at the first couple of verses there, see what Israel responds with. You can probably guess what their response is. Exodus 16, we'll start at verse 2. 
in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Oh, boy, (laughs) grumbling. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. You can just hear the sarcasm and the... Anyway, they, they were not happy and they pretty much let Moses know. They were kind of blaming Moses, but really they're blaming God. Um, and it's not exactly a model prayer for deliverance. Grumbling, complaining, the self-pity. They're all things that, you know, uh, we find in ourselves at times too. Um, grumbling is a euphemism for holding God in contempt. I hadn't really thought about that, but the author of the book made that point And I thought, yeah, you know what, that's really true. When I grumble, I look at the things that God's done for me and given me and, and provided his deliverances in all these situations. And if I'm grumbling, I'm thinking, God, you're not good enough. That's just wrong. <laughs> we know that God is good. So how does God answer them? Well, you might expect him to say something like, well, not until you ask nicely. But he's not that way. He is the God. Carry on, let's go down to verse 9. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, At twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So there's a point here that God's making. He wants them to know that he is the only God, the Lord God. He is truly not like us. Uh, It's as if he's saying to them, let me remind you of how I listened to my people in the past and see if you think I could listen to you. He doesn't hear because of us. He hears because he is God, the God who hears. Psalm 94 verse 9 says, Does not he who implanted the ear hear? And that's so true. Given some of the texts we've looked at, what would you say should be a priority for us? That's true. Yes, to expect fear. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so. We've, we've seen God's character throughout this whole thing, how he's there, whether they, whether they recognize he's there or not. And they don't understand who God is, right? You were going to say something, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you hear what he's saying there. He's saying that he's got to re- he's got to make a conscious effort. But he's got to remember the things that have been done, and he's got to. What some of the other things you're going to recall? What God's done for you in the past. Right. So therefore. <clears throat> 
Okay, so we're getting closer here. Um, Really, kind of the biggest priority for us is to know God. And there's so much in that, so much that we um, struggle with, I think. Knowing God's character, trusting in what he can do in his power. But how do you think we know God? What's the best way to know God? Ah, boy, that's, that is really a key. You know, we, we had a Sunday school class last, a couple of years ago, I think, about um, being in the Word and, and studying the Word of God. It is critical for us to know the Word of God well enough so that when we encounter a problem, <clears throat> excuse me, a danger or a fear, we can go to the Word of God and say, how, how can I deal with this? What does God's Word say about it? And, and it really is very, very helpful. <clears throat> um, so as we see that God remembers, or that God hears, one of the things that, that is an important action for us is to remember and recount for ourselves and for our loved ones the many stories in Scripture where God recounts for us how he hears his children. Um, and acts in wonderful, caring ways. It's not just from Scripture, though. You think about <clears throat> your life experiences. One of the best things you can do for your children, I think, is to recount the things that God has done where you've had huge worries or fears or, or you felt in danger or, in, or anxious about something. You've prayed about it, and God has specifically answered and delivered you from that fear. I think we need to rehearse those and recount those for one reason is to remind our, ourselves and our children, but another is to thank God for them and to praise him for the deliverances that he's given us in life. And uh, <clears throat> it helps us, I think, when we do that, to face each new danger, fear, or worry in a more hopeful way, to look at it and say, we know God's delivered in the past. What will he do now? He will do something great, I know. And, and it always works out that way. Um, what are some ways that you fill your minds and hearts with God's word? You, you said study the word, Gary. Any other things that you guys do? Yeah. I'm not sure that I do it very well, but I've often thought, besides the journaling idea, meditating on God's word. And, you know, I I read something, and then throughout the day as I'm doing things, some of that's rehearsing in my mind, and I'm thinking, well, what does that mean? What about this phrase? And and sometimes I'll go back and look at it again and say, I wonder if I'm understanding that right. And... um, but, but that's the thing is you just keep turning it over in your mind and keep playing that to yourself and thinking about the implications of that in your life. It's really, really good. Deuteronomy 11.18 says this, You shall therefore <clears throat> excuse me, lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking to them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of the house and on your gates. 
that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land the Lord your God swore to your fathers to give to them as long as the heavens are above the earth. So that's a, that's a pretty broad spectrum of how we would think about God's word there. Write them on the doorposts. Um, talk about them when you're um, sitting in your house. Uh, teach them to your children walking by the way. When you lie down, when you rise. It, it, it's, that's really a broad spectrum. It's like this is all encompassing. This is all he wants us to think about. <clears throat> and there's a wonderful promise contained in those verses as well. If we do that, it, it, uh, that conscious action on our part is also a daily reminder of God's commands and his presence with them. To illustrate, let's consider the Exodus story. Um, the, the story of God's delivering his people from Pharaoh is one of the stories in, in Scripture that um, God wants his people to remember. Recount this. You know, that's why he has them celebrate the Passover, to once again relive that whole deliverance that he, he did for them. Wherever they went, there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the pillar of fire and cloud. So they had a visible symbol of here's God with you all the time as, as I'm leading you out. So they get in the desert and they're hungry. They don't have their, their pots of meat and the onions. We had, a, we had a pastor who really did not like garlic. And so when he preached about this, he said, they, they miss their onions and their leeks and their garlic. And he made a horrible face and <laughs> we just... Oh, wow, he, he didn't like this. So I always think about that whenever I read that verse. I think of his face when he read that. Um, <clears throat> Exodus sixteen four says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Also in, in Deuteronomy 8, 2, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert those 40 years to humble you and to test you in order that, to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. So the provision of manna was a test. Um, God supplied their need. He gave them the food to eat. But he sort of tested his people too. He gave them instructions and said, follow these instructions. You gather enough for each day, not more than you need because it will just rot in the, in the, in the bowl. Um, on Sunday or on Saturday, you gather enough for the the, the Lord's day, and then on Monday you, you continue doing that. He gave them meat in the evening. He gave them everything they needed. Um, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> when God provides for them and then tests them to see what's in their hearts, He's not playing mind mind games with them. He's forging a relationship with them. He wants them to trust Him, to look to Him every time they're in need and say. I'm hungry. Can you supply my food? I'm, I'm thirsty. Can you supply water for us? They don't do that. Unfortunately, they complain a lot. But <clears throat> So when God tests them and, and then convicts them of, of the sin of grumbling and complaining, um, they realize they've disobeyed and they turn again in repentance to follow the Lord. And it's, it's kind of an ongoing cycle as they go through the wilderness. Eventually, they have to all die in the wilderness, that generation, because they, they couldn't be faithful to the God who was leading them out. <clears throat> Even though they were so often faithless, God is always faithful. His generosity knows no bounds. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, And he humbled you and let you hunger 
and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every work that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's a famous verse because Jesus quoted that when the devil tempted him. But it's really true. Um, As we trust the Lord, we are to come to him with our needs, not complain and grumble to ourselves, well, God's not supplying my need, or I don't have enough, or I want more. He wants us to come to him. God made us physical beings, and he cares for us physically, but we are also spiritual beings. Um, We are made in the image of God, and as spiritual people, we need spiritual food. And that's why we feel such delight when we gather together here. We hear God's word preached, um, and isn't it wonderful that we can meet in freedom to do that? Um, it's a wonderful way of God, for God, of God showing his love for us. I'm rattling on pretty fast here, and I haven't stopped much to, to hear what you have to say. Any, any questions or, or thoughts as we go along here? Right. I was, uh, we had in our um, Ten Commandments that we read this morning, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land. And then Pastor Brett uh, meditated on the fact that, or I guess our confessional prayer was that truth is we've, we have not, uh, we have dishonored those in authority over us. Because it's more than just our parents, it's those in authority over us that we're to honor. And I thought, yeah, how many times have I called some of our elected officials by a name that wasn't right and or had an attitude that said, I don't respect that guy because he's, he's, you know, corrupt. Um, And that's not the right attitude to have. I think that it's probably better for me to bring that to the Lord and say, there's something wrong with what he's doing. I pray that you'll address that. Maybe to see his need, his or her need, to know the Lord. I mean, if if we're frustrated with our government or the things that are going on politically, maybe uh, there's a need there that we need to pray for those people and say, Lord, you need to speak to these people. You need to change their hearts. You need to change their minds. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Anything else? <clears throat> We are powerless in our own, right? I mean, we have to trust the Lord to do things that we can't do, things that are out of our control. And uh, that's kind of, I think, the important thing here to remember. Well, God is the deliverer. Uh, Now, deliverance is grand, except for one thing. It isn't deliverance until the situation is very dire, maybe till it's the 11th hour and our backs are to the walls. it's really an essential feature of fear and anxiety. And when I think of deliverance, I think of when we come to faith. <clears throat> the fear and anxiety that, that um, are associated within our sin are removed, and we experience a new freedom. We're, we're delivered from our situation of being dead to sin. Um, this week, we, Enid and I were reading <clears throat> in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. <clears throat> I can find it here. 
I'll, I'll actually start verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live, if, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Boy, that's really important. I mean, when we realize that we don't have to fear anymore because God's delivered us from the fear of sin, well, that's, that's really freeing. But it's also helpful to remember that God is the deliverer. Um, I think we talked a little about that last week uh, in Exodus 14 where where God was bringing them out of Egypt and he brought them out into the wilderness and then he put them with their backs to to the Red Sea and nothing but mountains around them and here comes Pharaoh and his army and (laughs) that was a pretty scary situation. I'm sure probably all of us would have had the same reaction just trembling in fear because, oh man, we're doomed. We got nowhere to go. Can't just jump in the lake and, and get away. God's going to have to deliver us. And it takes Moses through, God prompts him to tell them. <clears throat> in verse 13, 14, Moses says, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Indeed, that's what happened. Um, that's the most notable passage of deliverance in the Bible. And, and Brett's going to really uh, expand on that this morning. So I won't go into it too deep, but... Deliverance um, in that situation was intended for them to see how great God is, how awesome his power and and his ability to deliver them. He has a plan, and he's not doing things just randomly and dealing with them as they come up. He has a plan that's intended for their good. Deliverance uh, is not God's only means of care. Let's think about some things that we we see all the time and, and maybe don't think about. He waters the earth and causes things to grow and be fruitful for everyone, not just believers. He provides food for our nourishment, and we try to remember that and give thanks for it. But often we forget <clears throat> that it is a marvelous way that God cares for us. We receive healing when we are sick or injured. He sustains our bodies day after day, colds, infections, flu, um, and other things, but especially at this time, God's blessed us through this pandemic with health. Um, and you know, I think there are a couple of cases of COVID in our church, but by and large, uh, nobody in our church has had it, and, and I think we've been spared a lot from the difficulties of that. He doesn't wait for us to call him either. That's kind of a remarkable thing. He's always on the move, always sustaining giving every breath to every living being every day. That's that, uh, To me, that's always just a key thought to remember that, you know, I, I see about this much right there. God is all around me, caring for my needs, providing for everything I, I, I need. And he doesn't wait for me to recognize what it is and say, help. He's, he's there already. He knows what's going on. And all I have to do is say, it's in your hands, Lord. You take care of it and provide. Can you think of things that we take for granted that demonstrate God's care for us? <clears throat> I 
Yeah. Especially, you know, when, when we do have to put on a mask or something. That's not very nice, <laughs> having to wear that thing. Um, you know, we do it because if we have to, we, we do that. But wearing the mask is not fun. And it's a good one. Yeah. Sons, yeah. 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 Yeah, rehearsing it in our minds and remembering, yeah. And it's hard to do that because, like you say, we do sort of take that for granted, yeah. Jesus said not to worry about what you put on. Mm-hmm. What you're because your Father knows that you have to do that. Yeah, yeah, what a blessing too, yeah. Well, let's see, there's a, there's a deliverance after hope dies. And, and this is kind of an interesting uh, passage, John 11, verse 14. Let's, let's turn there. <clears throat> We're going to read verse 14 and 15. Okay, verse 14 says, Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. Boy, talk about hope dying. I mean, it must have been just a, a shock. Because when someone dies, I mean, I guess maybe it's easier to believe that Jesus could heal a sickness than to raise someone from the dead. I mean, that, that was just never done. I, in fact, it, it isn't ever done. Um, it's a truly hopeless situation, but not for Jesus. So why would he do this? The passage says, so that you may believe. But let's not miss the real point here. It, after the fact, deliverance is a herald of what was to be the deliverance that would forever deal with the most hopeless situation. That situation is our being dead to sin. Just as Lazarus was dead, we are spiritually dead and without hope until Jesus came to deliver us from our sins. He is the bread of life, the better manna. Remember the manna that they received in the desert. It's a picture of Jesus being the better manna given for us. So Lazarus being raised was only a temporary deliverance. The real deliverance is the death of death brought about through the death of Jesus Christ. What are some things that cause you to feel hopeless? Maybe you don't have anything right now. I, I sometimes think, you know, our country is not what it was when I was a boy. And I fear for the future. And 
you know, it's, it's, I have to keep pushing myself to trust in the sovereignty of God and know he's in control of this situation. It isn't outside his plan that these things happen. Um, and how do I deal with that then? Well, I, I just have to trust. I have to trust that God is doing something there. Um, <clears throat> hard things will come to us. Um, sometimes it feels like there's no deliverance, and I don't want to minimize the pain of going through those hard things because it's painful. It hurts. Um, but this is when we as a body are to love and encourage each other. Those who we know are going through a difficult situation. We need to remind our brothers and sisters of the hope of the gospel. As John eleven fifteen says, so that you may believe. We can't deliver anyone, but we can point them in, in, uh, to the great deliverer. <clears throat> Those who live by faith and deal with the crises of life by faith <clears throat> are truly fearless. Um, even when we face death, there is a fearlessness there. I think I'm going to run out of time here. So maybe before I launch into the next section there, I might just say, um, what, um, what are your thoughts as we've talked about this this morning? The death of death. That's right. Yeah, the death of death, and that's that's what's so wonderful about this is that Jesus, you know, forever dealt with the the problem of death and the problem of of uh, hopelessness in that situation. What an encouragement! Anybody else have any thoughts? Yeah, Jeff, and then John. Oh, yeah. Jesus has said, you know, it's necessary that I leave, but also the comforter, and he will recall to your mind all the things that I've told you. For us, I think that would be the things that we've read. And in Romans 8, it says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't pray as we ought, right. but he helps us. Yeah. So in prayer, we're, you know, massing everything we know about God and his character. Yeah. And making requests, making gratitude for who he is. Yeah. And there, I think, is a process. The Spirit helps us to learn who he is as we relate to him. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah, and I know that probably most of us would agree that prayer is something we could all do better. Yeah. I know I could. Yeah. John, you were going to say something. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Part of that's so good about bringing us back to say, if you 
Yeah. 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 For sure. I think we're just about out of time. So why don't we uh, close in prayer and uh, we can, if you have thoughts, jot them down and, and if we didn't get to them, share them next week. Um, on the handout, I gave you some verses to read, um, kind of review the ones we've talked about. I didn't get all the way through my notes. Um, we were going to talk about worry about worry and then um, and then do not worry. So we'll cover those next week and then uh, leading into weeks after that. Uh, okay, why don't we close in prayer then? God, our Father, we thank you that you give us such hope in the gospel. Um, We pray that you will help us to remember all of the hopeful things that you've done for us, the deliverances that you've given us, and help us to give you praise and glory and honor through those. Help us to be an encouragement to those in our midst who are suffering, who are going through hardships and trials and difficulties. Um, May we be the hope of the gospel for them as well. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.